You don't have to be a machine learning engineer to help make the future a smarter place. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Trillions. I'm Joel Weber. And I'm Eric Valchunas. Eric, good to see you. Likewise. I can see you're in a new spot now. I moved. An undisclosed un- location. Undisclosed, undisclosed location. You're no longer in the Blair Witch Project closet. Let me just say I can see a beach. It's, it's glorious. Um, good for you. But Eric, I want to ask um, a question of you, which is, have you been day trading during the pandemic? You know, I would love to, but as an ETF analyst, like, I just don't want any ETF trades in my head. So the only day trading we ever do is sometimes my wife will be like, hey, do you see GE? She's a value investor. Do you see GE's trading for like six bucks or something? And she might want to buy that. And that's what she might do. But I don't touch anything. I'm just stick to buy and hold. When I stop covering ETFs, that's when I might go nuts with day trading, but I get it. Like I, I think it, it's fun. Um, you know, and I'm I, not a day trader. I have some either. good ideas, I, but I don't. I'm do not any. a day trader either. But day trading is, I feel like, one of the themes of the year, certainly of the pandemic, Easily. right? And yeah. so we had this idea to go actually talk to a couple of day traders, and we found some. Yeah, I mean, you hear a lot of, of pundits talking about them, um, but we never really hear from them, and I. It's just great to talk to the actual people sometimes who are doing it and to find out more about them. And I thought, you know, one of the moments that I thought was besides Dave Portnoy of Barstool and the rise of Robin Hood, you know, we saw that the media mentions of the word Robin Hood actually passed Vanguard about a month ago. And that says a lot about how big this is getting. And then stocks like Hertz, there's some certain stocks that have definitely been moved by the sort of Robin Hood trader. Um, but if there's a lot of experts who are frowning on this and they think it's going to end badly. It's bad for the market. Um, and then there's another side that says, no, it's good for them to get involved, get experience. Even if they get hurt, it'll learn from it. So it's become this huge debate. Um, it's called top three story of the year. So the two guests that we found, Brad Trong, who is a, a 19 year old student at the university of Texas and Michael Guzzo, who's 24-year-old and, and works uh, at an insurance and annuities company. So we spent some time talking with both of them about what it's like to be a day trader right now. This time on Trillions, the mind of a day trader during the pandemic. Brad, welcome to Trillions. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing good. Thanks and where are, you coming, where are you coming to us from? I'm coming from Houston, Texas. Right on. The The reason that we really want to talk to you is just to kind of get inside the mind of what it's like to be a day trader right now. So mm-hmm. so tell us a little bit about yourself and how 
what you're doing right now? Um, 19. Full-time, I'm a college student, but part-time, I work on a startup. And I have a small business on the side, which generates the cash I use for me to be able to have capital to trade. And I have two accounts. I have a Roth IRA and I have a brokerage account, which I trade on Fidelity. That's pretty awesome for being 19. I got to tell you, what's the small business that you're running? The small business I run, I started back in high school, which is a window cleaning business. And basically I employ high school students from the local town that I'm from, which is Cypress, Texas. And they just clean storefronts, like the windows, things like that. And I just get an override fee since I manage everything. So how long have you been investing? I've been investing, I think about a year. Uh, How did you get into it? I got into it through books. It it was because one day I was walking through Barnes and Nobles and I saw like the investment, like the investing section. And I was like, oh, this, this seems pretty interesting. So I was like, I mean, everyone talks about it. And this is like the way to wealth and all that so I picked up a book and ironically it was was um, the intelligent investor and that was my first book and then from there I just read a lot of personal finance books which have helped me a lot in my businesses so how old were you when you were walking through Barnes and Noble and picked up an intelligent investor I think either late 16 or early 17 but I couldn't start trading until 18 so there's that so you turn 18 and did you start trading on your birthday Yes, I made, well, let's say this. As an 18-year-old, you don't have all the money in the world, not, not where I'm from, at least. So I made an account, and I think that was a milestone for me because I was like, okay, this is the start to my, quote-unquote, career, my portfolio, things like that. So I started at 18. I just added cash. I didn't really trade for about a good six months. And then, I mean, you can't really trade because you don't have enough, like, day trading, what is it, like $25,000 in need um, to day trade without getting flagged or anything like that. But I was just saving up a lot of capital and then just putting into a more slow and steady things like some dividend stocks, even though I didn't really make much returns considering the capital I had or just some ETFs. And that was about it. How much when you uh, signed up and you had your account, how much did you mentally allocate to like m- maybe something safer, like a dividend stock or buy and hold investment versus money to sort of speculate on or trade with? I think sometimes people think that a lot of the younger investors, like 100% of their money is is the trading money. Um, <laughs> I, maybe it is. I don't know. I'm just trying to find out like how you mentally allocate buy and hold mm-hmm. long-term versus maybe the more speculative, um, you know, let me have fun with this this portion of the money. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I, what I used to do was ETFs, slow and steady ETFs and mutual funds. I literally just went on to Fidelity. I picked up their, one of their tools was like, Mutual funds, like you can like check out the Morningstar ratings, what's the return. So me trying to be greedy sort of at my age, I was like, I want the highest return, lowest cost. And I just put that in. I just picked some ETFs that were at the top, let it run. No, not ETFs, excuse me, mutual funds. And that was it. Yeah. But then now okay. I've, I've switched away from that. And, and so what, what have you switched into? I've switched into stocks. And I have ETFs, but I, I like to use aggressive ETFs because I'm at the point in my life where I just want to grow my account as aggressively as possible. It's high risk, high reward, but it's, it's, a, it's centered a lot around tech. Yeah, you sent over some tickers. So let's go through some. You have WCLD, which is the Wisdom Tree Cloud Computing. Mm-hmm. Um, what drew you to that? Because also that's not the biggest one in the space. So did, how'd you pick that one out? 
it's always intriguing to me when somebody who's retail mm-hmm. doesn't just go for the obvious big dog in the category, which would be Sky, S-K-Y-Y. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I mean, to be a big dog, you have to be an underdog first, right? So. <laughs> true. That, that's why. Spoken I like, like a true 19-year-old. WCLD. That's that. I honestly picked it. I, I, well, also, WCLD, I think, has a lot of zoom in it, and I think it might be the best performing this year. Mm-hmm. Now, that's, a pro- that's, that's a problem I personally have with such an ETF like that. It's because some of these ETFs, like the ARK ETFs and the WCLD, they're carried by certain stocks that have grown so much. And I know it's during the time of coronavirus, and fundamentals from a retail, my personal retail perspective, is that fundamentals are kind of out the window right now. And the PE ratios of a lot of these things are absurd. But it doesn't hurt to capitalize on it in the meantime. I think I might pull out depending on how I feel after everything settles from Corona. So, so Brad, I'm I'm curious about um, trading during the pandemic because um, a a lot of investors um, uh, would, I think, kind of say like the best way to invest is a a buy and hold strategy, right? Where you're mm-hmm. looking over this at, for a long horizon. So even though you're you're 19 right now, you know, like this is money that hopefully you're not going to need for a long time, and like the horizon's very far. But I'm curious, like, is this is this money that you're playing with um, on a day to day basis that you envision holding for a really long time, or is it stuff that you think has a far shorter term horizon for you? Well, initially when I first got into quote unquote investing, I I was doing. I was thinking long term, but considering our how how volatile things have been, even though it's been kind of flat recently, it, I push more towards the trader side of things because I just want to capitalize. That that's just simply. I just want to make sure I I do a lot of swing trading, a lot of day trading because both of my accounts are above that point to where I'm allowed to day trade. I do a lot of day trading, scalping, and swing trading. That's literally all I do. In the meantime, I do have ETFs that I've left like ARK. Like ARKK, ARKG, and ARKW, I, I've i been holding on to them for weeks. And I just left them there. I made, what, 10, 15% returns already. I put several thousand into them, just let it sit. Now, when this is over, I might take a different look onto how I currently manage my portfolio. And I might think, okay, let's do a long term now. Walk me through, Brad, what uh, a typical day of day trading looks like for you. Gotcha. All right. So, I know I don't have Weeble. I, if, correct me if I'm wrong. I think Weeble, you're allowed to open up like 4 a.m. Central Standard Time, something like that. But for since I use Fidelity, I have pre-market and after-hours extended trading available, and I've, I've used it. And I wake up at 5.30 a.m. Central Standard Time every single day, and I scan the market for about 30 minutes. And I know this sounds dumb because a lot of, Institutional investors are going to get mad at me. They're going to be like, oh, you're supposed to like do more due diligence and you know, things like that. But I literally just use Reddit and stock tweets. And I might look around Twitter. I don't have a Twitter account. But I just look around. I'm just like, okay, this is what people, this is trending. This is that. And then I look at the graph. So I, I do look at some technicals. I try to see where the support is. Sometimes there are support. Sometimes there's, there's not. And I just see what the news is, the hype, things like that. And I always try to get in before or like just as it's starting and get out before it could potentially come down or it could be a pump and dump 
because I just don't want to be too greedy. I'll take, if I can make 5% a day, I'll make 5% a day. I'll take that. I'm guessing this is because you have, you gave us a list. I'm guessing this is where you use TQQQ and SQQQ. Yes. Right. This is up because that's going to be, what is that? Two or three times the cues. Yes. Yes. So, um, so they're is, leveraged. Are those your go-to tools for playing like the, the, what you think the market's going to do that day or that week? Yes. But not, not often because I, I've seen it happen more often than not during the last three months. Because what happens is we either, it's vice versa. We open green and we close red or we open red and we close green. So I try to like ride within the first hour and get out. So like this morning I got into TQQQ because I knew it was going to be a green day and I got in, rode it a couple percent. I think it was like 2% and then I left. And that's just that. So you are just actively trading the hot, hot stock of the day or hot, hot uh, vehicle of the day, right? I, I, I try to, but sometimes there are days where I actually don't make a single trade because I feel like it's not worth the risk of putting so much cash into a certain stock for me to make a return. So I try to see what's worth it. If it's if I see that if, if it's something's at $14 and it's bound to hit 15, I'll put 5,000 at it automatically. I'll just, you know, just put a, an order for it to sell. Okay. So I'm really curious if you rewind the clock a couple of months to the beginning of the mm -hmm. pandemic and the stock mm -hmm. market obviously had a, 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 a really frightening uh, stretch there. What was mm -hmm. that like for you? Well, I sat on the sidelines too much and I kind of, I mean, if I could go back in time, I'll put everything to SQQQ and just make a lot of returns. And then right on March 23rd around there, I would flip around, go TQQQ and then put some other things <laughs> too, like the airlines. Well, I think... I think everybody would. I mean, yeah. that's like, that would be, that's Joel, that's negative three X the cues during the crisis. Yep. And then you pivot exactly on the 23rd to uh, three times the cues, mm -hmm. which I think the cues are up 50% since then. Mm -hmm. That that would be the immaculate trade. Um, I guess given that the Fed came out on March 23rd, you, you mentioned this date. I, I always am curious is how much retail investors um, like yourself factor in the Fed because a lot of the pundits will say that the Robinhood crowd, Dave Portnoy, these are just products of a Fed-induced market where everything goes up and they don't know how good they have it. Um, so how do you factor in the Fed to your trading? I factor in the Fed depending on what stimulus they might provide. So, I mean, like we, I think the unemployment ends on what, July 31st and that, that can be a make or break. So we're, we're trying to see, because if, if the stimulus gets extended, I'm pretty sure the market's gonna go green for, for much longer. And we're gonna have, the rally's gonna continue on. But if the Fed doesn't step in, when unemployment ends across the country, that's when you know we might see, well, the market might realize what's happening. Because I, I know there's been a common saying, the market's not the same as the economy. They aren't the same thing, right? And mm -hmm. we've seen the market go up basically ever since that March 23rd date while the economy is sort of sputtered. What, what do you make of that? Well, I've only lived on this world for so long, so I can't say too much. But I would have liked for the market to completely collapse. Now, my rationale, what I think, considering my little knowledge, is that 
the reason why the, the feds have been propping up the market is to ease the drop so it's not as hard and to help people who are about to retire. So that, that's my thought. But me being on my, my, my perspective is that since I'm younger, I want the stocks to be as cheap as possible. I want it to drop all the way. <laughs> I don't care how hard, I don't care. I know it sounds messed up. People will lose their jobs, but in my opinion, everyone, everyone will be fine at the end of the day. So, you know, just let it drop all the way down, rock bottom, get everyone get in and ride it back up. That's how it should have been. So first time. speaking of, yeah, it, no, it makes sense. And your mindset of looking for cheap is interesting to me because when, when we study ETF flows, it seems like when something goes up, it's like a shiny object. Retail jumps in and tries to ride it. And sometimes they're late. Mm -hmm. yep. But what we've noticed is that the retail trader, the millennial, the younger one, seems to look for deals and that you own a bunch of airline stocks. Um, <clears throat> is that what drew you to the airline stocks? Was just they're so cheap? Or did you think that the um, expert class was overdoing the COVID fears? Why did you buy those at the time and, and how'd that trade go? It was oversold, completely oversold. Just just like at the beginning, I, I, I personally believe COVID's a serious thing, but I think on the investment side of things, people were worrying way too much and it, everyone was just panic selling. And it kept hitting what stop limits and everyone just kept going down and down and down. And I think that's, that's what caused such a worry. And then on my side, I saw, okay, these airlines are cheap. Yes, the travel and tourism industry is completely like destroyed in the meantime, but it's going to bound. Like it's 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 going it's bound to rebound. So I got into it and I eroded to the first peak, and then I left because I knew that after that there was more news. Well, there was more news coming out saying that oh, we're having delays for cruises now. We're having delays for parks and air. Um, there's not going to be as many flights and this and that. And I was like, okay. I made my returns, made my 50% returns on these airlines. I'm out now. So, or even 100% returns on some of them. Okay, Brad, you mentioned returns. I got to ask, year to date, where do you stand? Off the top of my head, on my Roth, I am over 200, 300%. And <laughs> on my brokerage. Nice. Thank you. On my brokerage, I think I'm up, I'm up over 400% on my brokerage. So, what advice? to other day traders do you have well my advice would be to don't fight the fed and don't don't fight the fed and just be realistic and don't be especially if you're thinking long term besides like day trading like if you're thinking long term don't be like complaining over like a couple pennies or a dollar because if you know the stock's going to go up anyways who cares if you get hurt in the short term? But in the long term, you're going to be just fine. Like you're not going to be looking back and be like, oh, Boeing's like currently what? 170 something right now? And you're not going to be like, oh, I wish I got at 160. But now like Boeing's worth like 250 or something. Made no difference. Like you'll be fine. As for day trading, it, I just think more like just technicals are kind of make sense. But just since, since considering our volatile time, day trading should be focused a little bit more on the market sentiment and the hype around things too do well. So that makes me wonder, does it feel like you're gambling? It's not gambling if you know what you're doing. So I, I, I know people that I trade with that do gamble. But me, on the other hand, I'm like, 
what is it currently at? Am I in before the wave comes in or the Robinhood wave? That's, and, and it's funny because Robinhood kind of makes or break things because when they come in on Central Standard Time, they come in at 8 a.m. I think they get in 30 minutes before the market opens, I believe. Everyone always worries on like stock tweets. They're like, okay, are they going to make or break this stock? Like this, this, this hype stock right now? Because Robinhooders can shift the market just a little bit to the point where everyone starts panic selling, which is unfortunate, but it's the truth from what I see. <laughs> so that kind of is in tune with what I think the media portrays Robinhood as the ability to move stocks a, a little bit, even though they are, you know, the total assets on Robinhood aren't that big that is, relative that is to the scheme of things. So but. what do you think of the Robinhood class of investor? Describe mm. them for us. What do you think? The, what do you think of them? A lot of them are young. A lot, of them, a lot of them are very... Well, well if, what's young if you're 19? <laughs> well, no. Like, what, what, my what son's think, nine. Okay, so like, there's, there's people that trade under like their parents' account. And I, I know them I know them personally. They trade on their parents' account. And they, they're like, what, 16? And they go up to like my like college-age students. But I think in my personal opinion, I don't, I don't get... I mean, there's great people on every single platform. But I think the common class of people on Robinhood are a little bit more the novice. Because I, because one of the first things I, I, I did do when I made an account, I made two brokerages. I made one on Fidelity, I made one on Robinhood. But then I quickly realized, okay, yes, the UI UX looks pretty here and everything, but this looks so tacky. I got to move something to a little bit more professional you know, with the tools, the actual news. So I went straight to Fidelity. And that's why I said that. I see Robinhood as more of like, it's fun, but I, I see it more as like a little bit more novice, whereas the professional traders with the bigger accounts move, they move to like E-Trade, um, Charles Schwab, and Fidelity. That's what I see mostly. So you've been uh, pretty fortunate so far this year. What would you do if the market took a turn for the worse? If it took a turn for the worse, and it could be during election time, that's what a lot of people are saying right now, could be during election time. If it took a turn for the worse, I would have half of my like account, like both of my accounts, I would have half of them like on the side. And the other half I would either be day trading, depending on how it is. Like if one side wins and the market sentiment's like, all right, stocks go up, I'm throw I'm actually gonna throw my whole account into it. But if stocks go down because one party wins, I'm just gonna put half my half my portfolio to the side and then the other half into like SDQ and write it down by the day. And then to see where stocks go, things like that. You're you're up four hundred percent. I mean, the S and P's down what a couple percent this year. Mm -hmm. So, if you were a hedge fund, you'd be like a big deal. You'd be getting phone calls from Calpers, um, and I, that's fun, right? <laughs> I guess my question is, like to Joel's point, let's say you were down ten percent this year, would you have as much interest in doing it still? Like, it, how much of the fun comes from being up versus just the interesting part of analyzing stocks in the news and whatnot mm -hmm. well if i was down let's say 10 percent, i i would still invest i would still trade because i i think that's the part of trading and, and considering our time that that can be an excuse like why your account is down do i think your account should be down no but if your account is down it's like well it's, it's during covid you'll, you'll be fine you'll, you'll make it back it's, it's all right but i mean considering our like recent rally i think everyone should at least be in the green in the meantime Assuming you weren't like trading like some speculative like stock that went down or something. 
I forgot to ask something. What do, what do you think of uh, ETFs in general? ETFs in general, I think they're great for people who want to like invest passively. But if you have like an aggressive mentality to make risky trades and things like that, I would, I, I like ETFs that do high returns. I don't care how much expense ratio is, but I, I want them to be as high as possible. And the problem nowadays with I see, well, not, not really a problem. I just see that a lot of the stocks are still at a quote unquote discount right now. So I'd rather capitalize on the stocks than to put money into an ETF because the ETF might not make enough returns fast enough as much as I want for the stock. It's interesting. Thank you so much thank for you. all was, the was, for all your fantastic. info. Yeah, Thanks great. for coming on Trillion, Brad. Yeah, thank you for having me. This podcast is brought to you by Invesco QQQ. What do all the greatest innovations have in common? Agents, people who participate in progress by supporting cutting-edge ideas. Invesco QQQ is a fund that allows you access to innovators of the NASDAQ 100 all-in-one fund. So you don't have to be an inventor to help create what's next to come. Anyone can become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. There are risks when investing in ETFs, including possible loss of money. ETF risks are similar to those of stocks. Investments in the tech sector are subject to greater risk and more volatility than more diversified investments. The NASDAQ 100 Index comprises the 100 largest non-financial companies on the NASDAQ. You can't invest directly into an index. Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit Invesco.com for a prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully before investing. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Michael, welcome to Trillions. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Very excited. So, Michael, who are you and where are you coming to us from? Uh, my name is Michael Guzzo. Um, I'm from Old Bridge, New Jersey, a uh, small town in Jersey. Um, I graduated from Rutgers University with a bio degree. I'm currently working in finance. Um, I work for uh, um, an insurance and annuity company doing basically clerical stuff. And, um, you know, I'm here, obviously, to talk about trading and day trading. So that's something I got into as recently as March. And I'm not very experienced or anything like that. But it's something that really just came about out of nowhere. Because obviously, with the pandemic, um, there is really a void left for a lot of people. So day trading was something that came up. And now... I'm really interested in it. So I've been doing it for a little bit now and something I love to talk about. So how, and how old are you? I'm 24 years old. So I graduated okay. in 2018. Okay. Um, and so that I'm, I'm kind of curious about investing in general. Have you, had you ever invested before the pandemic or did, was that, was the pandemic what got you into investing? So no, yeah, I never actually invested before the pandemic. It was the pandemic that, led me into this so really i think what happened was it was kind of like a perfect storm situation so i think there is really a void left by the pandemic for a lot of people like me my age so i'm really into playing poker and a little bit of online gambling and that was something that was really halted as this happened so that void was left and then we kind of turned to the internet and we saw that it was really an up-and-coming thing among younger people especially um, this day trading whole phenomenon with retail investors coming in. So 
I mean, I really think it was a result of the pandemic primarily. And then you just go online, see in these online communities, there's a bunch of people just like me who are just getting into this, trying to, you know, be really risky with their with their money and investments because we're at a young age where we want to try to get off to like a really good start and we could afford to make really big risks. So what was the moment that you said, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna get into the market? So my friend had actually been talking to me about the market. He told me um, he was doing options and I had no idea what that was at the time. So I looked into it and I did a little research and obviously it's a very complicated thing. So it took a lot of time to really learn what was going on. And my friend who initially introduced me to it had started off doing very well. And um, it was something I obviously wanted to look into and see if there was an opportunity. And I noticed that at the time, obviously, of the market crash, it was an extremely volatile time for the market. And it seemed like there was a huge opportunity for people to make a lot of money or, you know, lose a lot of money. They don't know what they're doing, which, of course, happened to, uh, I'm sure, a bunch of people. So, yeah, it was it was really just my friend who introduced me to it. And as I did more research, it was something I became really interested in, just following. And, of course, I had a family, grandparents who were always big into investing. And I was always very interested in maybe trying it out. And I thought I could start here as a good learning experience, but really just dove right into it. So, so the time frame that you're sort of describing, you know, March was a pretty traumatic and dramatic month for a lot of investors. Did you get in as the market was going before the market went down, as it was going down, or or after it reached bottom? So I got in basically as it reached the bottom maybe like a day or two before it actually hit the bottom talking of you know the ETF the S&P 100 hit bottom so there was a very heavy sentiment at that time that we were going to continue to go down in the market because there was just panic all around with this virus people were really thinking that you know this was going to be like a really catastrophic thing for our country and it was going to have a lasting impact which who knows it still may but we didn't expect, you know, at least people among the online communities didn't expect us to have the comeback we've had so far. So I did get in near the bottom. And with that strong sentiment that we were going down, I started off, you know, expecting that we would continue to go down. Which platform did do you use to trade? And how did you divide the money between maybe more long-term versus pure just trading money that you're trying to get a quick buck off of? So when, I, first of all, the platform that I use exclusively is Robinhood. And that's a very popular one among, you know, new traders. I'm sure you guys know that. So that was the most accessible and easy one just to start off with. It's a very easygoing platform. And like the, the way it looks and everything is very accessible and easy to use. So that was good. And then to answer your second question, um, I really was just trying to make a quick buck and that continues to be the theme. It's not really much about long-term investment as of right now. I'm trying to build up a, you know, a capital, a large amount of money to start into long-term investing um, because, you know, with options, it's a really volatile thing where prices can go up and down very much where if you're investing long-term, you want to hold that for a long time and you kind of need a lot of money to start off with if you want to make a big amount. I'm really curious how you go about your day. Are you are you trading throughout the day or basically 
what's a what describe a typical day for you and what are your inputs like what are you looking for right so I would say the main thing I'm looking for to decide how I'm going to trade, because I'm obviously not very experienced with this. I don't know any of the technical analysis or the stuff that goes into, you know, price action and determining where the price is going to go. So I rely heavily on online materials, you know, online communities, places like Reddit, Twitter, although a lot of this stuff is not very professional, professional or reliable in a sense. Um, there are some really great things you can find, especially on Twitter. There's, there's some great resources, professional traders who, you know, give out great advice. And it's not to say just follow every single thing they say, but, you know, for someone like me who, who's not very experienced with the market, you got to look for those resources and, and see what you can do with them. As for a day-by-day -day basis, that's basically what I do is, you know, now that I've been doing this for a long time, there are certain stocks I like to follow and, you know, look for buying opportunities where, you know, try to buy dips where I think they're going to go back up and such. Um, but looking online for, you know, people I've been following and just kind of following on the tails of them. Tell me about sort of some of the dips that you've been sort of looking for. What kind of, what kind of stuff? So a lot of the things I'm focused on is tech stocks at this time and online retail selling things like cloud services, certain cloud services have seen to be doing very well. Um, and anytime you find a dip in those, I think it's a good buying opportunity, but you have to remember that this is kind of not a long-term thing. It's very short-term. So it's all about, you know, getting in and getting out quick to make a profit. And although I haven't been that great thus far, I think I'm learning a lot to get to a point where in the future that I'll be able to do this more successfully. So, you know, specific stocks, also online gambling ones were good for a point, but they've been going down a little bit now. Just about doing the research online and looking for the right opportunities and, you know, knowing when to exit. Well, that's a good question. So let's say you go into something. How do you know when to exit if it doesn't, go up in a day or two? Are you out? Right. So, I mean, it's a lot of risk management. It is very difficult doing this from a very, you know, inexperienced perspective that I have because someone like me, I get very scared when you see the price go down and, you know, you're down the money. So it's like when, when I first started doing this, it was like, oh, I'm down a little bit. I need to exit right away. And then, you know, the next day or the two days from then it goes up and you're like, you kind of regret it. And then on the flip side, it's like, oh, you hold it for, you have profits and you want to hold it for longer and try to build it more. And then it goes down and you lose it. And like, you know, just being so inexperienced and impatient with it, it's kind of difficult to gauge when the right entry and exit points are. So I've kind of, I've kind of started to take a more conservative approach and just try to take profits wherever I could. And you know, set up stop losses at certain points when I think it's gone too far. So I'm, I'm curious because what you're sort of describing there is um, the day trading mindset versus sort of a buy and hold long-term investor. And I'm curious, have you thought about sort of, do you think you're going to continue to day trade or, or do you see yourself transitioning into becoming more of a buy and hold long-term investor? Right. So that's a really good question. Um, I do envision over time that I'll I'll gradually 
changed my strategy to more a long-term position. But the goal right now is to be as risky as possible, I think, because like I said, I want to build that capital before I transition to more long-term positions. And the way to do that quickly is, you know, trading these options and day trading and playing like very short positions. So that's the goal, I would say, ultimately, is to get to a spot where I feel comfortable I have enough capital to start investing long term and then maybe set aside a little bit for the day trading. But, you know, I think right now we're in a time where the market is so volatile that there's, there is a lot of opportunity where you can make, you know, a large amount of money in a short period of time. And that's really the goal for now. And those opportunities have come to me. It just, just hasn't been the right capitalization on my part. So how much are you willing to risk? Um, I mean, on a, on a specific trade or just overall? Both. I mean, overall, I would, I, I have invested around 10 grand. So that's like the starting point. And then on specific trades, I try to, you know, keep a percentage of that amount as the limit. So, you know, that's obviously a strategy that people use. And I know 10 grand probably isn't a lot to really start with, but you can, you can make a significant amount of money with that. So, you know, on a specific trade, I try not to go over like the 500 amount, I guess, but if I really feel confidently about something or, or I'm seeing some feedback, you know, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go a little higher than that. Okay. Let's, um, you know, one of the things you mentioned earlier, just want to go through how you like what you're using. You said you use options on SPY and IWM, which is the large and small cap ETFs. What kind of options are, are you using and like how do you because options, uh, decide what to buy? Uh, options yeah, is options like are, this is a different end of the swing pool than than most people play. Yeah, it, yeah. it's a little more complicated. Right. It is very complicated. And, and that's kind of like I kind of just jumped right into the fire. You know, I, I really didn't know much about investing. So we went straight into options and it's really a – it's really a, uh, you're playing with fire when you're doing that. And it's an explosive game. So um, the type, what you mentioned, this, the SPY and IWM options, that's really what I started off with because those are the major indexes and I really didn't know much about other stocks. So, you know, at the time when I went in, when we hit the bottom, I was doing mainly puts on SPY, which, you know, I'm sure you know is you're betting on it to go down over a certain period of time so like i said when i first got in there was a really strong sentiment that we were kind of going to continue to crash down and i think we were around you know like 250 240 range and i was kind of just piggybacking on these online communities taking out positions monthly positions on spy puts like in the 200 to 205 range to start off, which, you know, is very far out of the money, but people were really expecting some kind of like apocalyptic thing to come for the market. And, you know, like when I first started, it was, I had no idea how to manage or when I went to exit a certain position, I kind of just held on my first trade until it expired, which essentially became worthless at the end because I didn't know what I was doing. So as the market went up, you know, I should have probably cut the losses it sounds like you've transitioned to other things as well from options on major indexes. Like what have been the last, like what are you using these days to get that, I guess, juice? Right. So um, 
Now I don't focus as, as much on those major indexes. Really over the time, I started with the indexes to kind of learn how it works as far as the pricing, how the pricing changes with the movement of the stock price, the pricing of the option. Um, now I moved on to, you know, your general, mostly like popular stocks, like Facebook, Apple, Twitter, things that, you know, are common among people. Day trading has been like such a phenomenon during uh, the pandemic, as, as you mentioned, and you know, you're an example of someone who sort of got drawn into the markets from this. What, what have you learned about investing through this? Um, well, I definitely learned about options a lot. And that's the main thing that I say I, I really took a huge leap in learning. I mean, by no means am I an expert on this stuff or, you know, knowledgeable about how technical analysis works. But just as far as how, you know, puts and calls operate as far as their prices in relation to, you know, expiration dates and the prices of the stock. So I think that's been a very good learning experience for me for the future if I want to continue to do this and, you know, develop a more conservative approach. And, you know, through these online communities I was mentioning, like Twitter and Reddit, um, there are some really great you know, resources for learning on there as far as, you know, people providing input for trading and just overall information. And there's a bunch of people taking advantage of these retail investors flooding in by providing subscription services on, you know, learning more information about trading and, and stuff like that. So, yeah. So what, what advice for others um, interested in dabbling in options do you have? Um, my advice would be, not to go in, you know, so gung-ho right away. I would say definitely if you're going to start off, start off with a very small amount and, you know, try to learn how the price action works as far as like how the relation of the option prices change, how the option prices change in relation to the stock and how it gets closer to the expiration date. And, you know, just learn overall about how it works before, before you invest too much money. Right. Do, do you feel like you're a gambler? Does this feel like gambling? Yeah, definitely. So it definitely feels like gambling as opposed to investing. And I think that's an important thing to recognize. So I'm, I'm a very big poker player. Um, you know, obviously with the pandemic, all the casinos were shut down. So back to the point I mentioned earlier, it kind of left a void in a lot of people like me. You know, I like to play poker and gamble on online, online uh, sports whatever, e-gaming and you no know, gamble on sports online. And this is really kind of similar to that in the sense that it is gambling as opposed to investing. Whereas if you're investing long-term, more or less, if you're investing in you know a solid company, you have an idea over a long period of time, you're pretty much guaranteed in the sense to, to get some returns. Whereas this really is a gamble where you can you can get massive returns, but you can lose everything. And well, I guess real quick, how much are you up year to date? Would you say? I'm definitely not up year to date, but you know, um, it's it's been a good learning experience as far as just the whole the whole use of Robinhood and learning how the options work. Um, so, and. So let me pivot from that, which is because a lot of people are worried about people having a great experience. They're up big. 
and then are they going to be shattered when they lose? So if you're not up here to date, that's um, kind of kills that whole critique from the pundit crowd on, on the retail investor. I guess my other, my other question would be something they say is, well, as soon as sports come back, a lot of these traders are going to go back to that. Do you think this is going to be something you do in the future, even when sports come back and other forms of like, I guess, gambling, for lack of a better word, uh, reappear? Right. Um, I think for me and for a lot of people, it definitely depends on how well we do with this when that stuff comes back, because obviously that void that has been left um, by no sports has been fulfilled by, you know, playing with the market. So if I'm in a position where I have lost a lot of money when sports come back, maybe I'll take it easy and not continue to do this. But I think that it's something over the long term that I really want to continue to learn about and and probably continue to do regardless of this stuff coming back. And I think that will be a common thing among many people my age. Like I said, they kind of just were threw into the fire here. And it's it's a thing where people who weren't previously exposed to it, who have now seen it, really see it as a huge opportunity where they can make a lot of money if they if they want to put in the work and learn about it. So I do think that even as time goes by, we will continue to see um, an increase in people investing in the market and, and doing options. What do you think of ETFs? Um, I think that the ETFs are more of a, a kind of safer, a safer play relative to stocks, maybe. I'm not really sure, though. Um, like I said, I started off in the beginning with the ETFs. I think, obviously, they are a general uh, indication of how the market is going. Um, the ones I, I really played around with the most are the SPY and the Russell. I think there are opportunities there in the ETFs because if there's you know good news about COVID or bad news about it, you can generally expect a move, especially now in these times, up or down. So I think there's, there's a lot um, to be had as far as opportunities in the ETFs because I think they're, it's more easily predictable than a particular stock because, you know, there's news about particular stocks that can come out that change the price in a kind of drastic manner, whereas the ETFs kind of move with what's going on in the news and just general sense. All right, Michael, thank you so much for joining us on Trillions. Thanks, guys. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Trillions. Until next time, you can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal, Bloomberg.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you'd like to listen. We'd love to hear from you. We're on Twitter. I'm at Joel Weber Show. He's at Eric Balchunas. This episode of Trillions was produced by Magnus Hendrickson. Francesca Levy is the head of Bloomberg Podcast. Bye. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.